Hello, my name is Anna, and if you're into scary stories and creepy real-life happenings, then I think you will love my podcast. Let me tell you a scary story. Join me every week as I read to you stories of the paranormal that actually happen to ordinary people. These are things that can't be explained and don't always make much sense, and they are sure to intrigue and to give you the shivers. So join me on your favourite podcast listening platform and let me tell you a scary story. Welcome to State of Fear, where terror is homegrown. Join us as we take a drive down dusty back roads and discover the obscure and dark history of this country, human and otherwise, that lurk in your backyard. Welcome to episode 50, Wisconsin. Today we're going to start with some weird Wisconsin facts. James brings us the story of people in India going to extreme methods to combat COVID. Finally, we discuss three unusual UFO encounters. I'm your host, Chris, and joining me finally for the first time in forever in studio, James. What's up, my brother? It's good to be here again. Now I'm starting to realize why it is we were doing this separate, because damn, you ugly. <laughs> you saw damn. me on the video. in. Uh, uh, that is true. So I'm ugly all the time. But so you were pixelated, so it's easy. Oh, <laughs> oh. And it was easier for you to look I at I am the, kidding, okay. of course, man. Nah. It is great to be back over here. I've, I've missed doing this with you in person. I mean, brother. I know we were able to handle business from afar, but it's better doing this together. I like it's, being here. It's different in person. It, it's, yeah, yeah, you're right. It's better. It just, it just feels more natural. Plus, hopefully I sound better, you know, too. Well, you do sound better. That you sound remote good anyway. shit, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, you sound great. You sounded great before, but it, it just feels more natural when we're in the same room. That's right. You know? Acting like a couple damn fools, having right. fun, cutting up, and reading some interesting shit. But man, we are one episode away from finish, finishing the season. Finally, yes, it took us forever. We had a few side, uh, you know, uh, side trips, a few uh, roads, rest stops, a uh, few baby, you know, know, showed up, kind of put things. Well, I'm not talking about also episodes. We did a few <laughs> extra episodes as well, but um, that is true. Yeah, we're, so we're excited. We're already thinking about uh, uh, ways to improve for next season. So stay tuned. That's going to be pretty awesome. But uh, today we are discussing Wisconsin. Um, but before we do that, I also want to uh, let people know, remind them that, hey, we have the Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com, state of fear, uh, backslash state of fear. Patreon.com, backslash state of fear. Get that right first time. And um, you go on there, you can get uh, ad-free um, versions of the show all the extra content that we have on there, so our rest stops, um, all the ad-free versions of stoplight stories and James's passports, 
um, as well as extra stuff. We're going to do a whole bunch of new stuff we're going to do just for the Patreon. So if yep. you're interested in getting uh, extra content, go check it out. We have tiers one, five, and ten. Yeah, just one buck. Super cheap, super super cheap, super simple. Um, you know, if, if you don't, even if you don't want to have all the extra stuff, but you want to support us, a dollar a month goes far. Yes, it does. It goes very far. Also, I want to mention we have a YouTube, uh, of course, uh, State of Your Podcast YouTube channel. All the episodes are up there. Uh, some of the extra stuff's up there too. And I want to give a shout out to a couple of new subscribers because our subscriber list has been slightly going up. But um, I'm pretty excited because uh, I didn't realize we had as many as we did. But just some of the newer ones. Uh, Capdan58, Shauna Kendall, Jacob Seibel, Shannon S. Sabatos Fan 46, Mom States, Johnny Pasias, Seven Wolf, and Joseph Davila. Uh, thanks so much for subscribing. I hope you guys enjoy the content and welcome aboard. Indeed. And also... Uh, reviews. We need some reviews, don't we? Yes, we can always use reviews. Reviews are very handy. They help us. They get. Uh, they help spread the word. They put us, uh, make us more prevalent on the search list and things like that. So if you have time, uh, just take a few moments out of your day. You can do episodes or you can do the podcast as a whole. Just go anywhere you listen to podcasts. Leave us a review. Now, we do have a limited supply of our um X-Files. Our X-Files. Postcards, yep, that's right. Yep, our 96 uh, X-Files vintage postcards to still give away if you're interested in one of those. Just go ahead and give us a review, take a snapshot, and email that to stateaffairpodcast at gmail.com, and exactly. we shall get it to you post-haste. Yes, sir, absolutely. Uh, also, I want to swing back to the Patreon real quick to mention that if you are interested in what some of the extra content is going to be, uh, James and I have subscribed to Discovery+. Plus which has a ton of paranormal shows on there. And <laughs> as paranormal investigators ourselves and lovers of all crap content, we are going to be watching <laughs> some and reviewing some and talking about them, maybe even doing some live watches. So if you're interested in, in uh, hearing or seeing us uh, talk about those shows, I mean, shows from Ghost Adventures to Paranormal Lockdown, Ghost Lab, Portals to Hell, Ghost Hunters. I mean, it, it, there's so many shows on there. So uh, those will all be Patreon-only exclusive items so you know if you're interested check out our patreon and uh, be on the lookout please do yeah all right well today's episode as i mentioned we're gonna be covering three weird ufo encounters that all happened in wisconsin so um they all have they don't have a theme but they all have a a sort of uh uh what's the word i'm looking for it's um Anyway, I, I call the title of this episode Biscuits, Blue Beams, and Bozak's Bovine Creature. <laughs> Sounds uh, interesting. Alliteration, enough. that's what I was looking for. They, they're all very illiterate as far as what the title is. So uh, we'll there get into more of what that is later. Uh, yeah, but first, James, why don't we go ahead and get into some uh, weird facts real quick, shall we? Indeed, sir. Okay, so uh, in the days leading up to November 17th, 1974, strange lights were seen in the sky above Antigua, Wisconsin on November 17th. A woman working at a local bar had a strange run-in with a particular patron who she believed to be an alien. The bartender, Mrs. H, claimed the man bounced, quote-unquote, on his way in. <laughs> like like a bounce house or like... Yeah, I guess so. Uh, he also, uh, she also noted he had creepy white teeth. According to Mrs. H, he was adamant that the lights in the sky were caused by a meteor. Something he asserted several times before leaving the bar and vanishing into the night. Seems like he might have been the least threatening man in black. Uh, I he, suppose. If he's telling her that it, the lights are only meteor, um, that's what men in black do. But 
they do it in a more threatening way. He was more of a happy, bouncing, jovial little man. So I just picture uh, Edgar. Edgar with oh, loose skin, that's the cockroach right. dude. Men in black, yeah. <laughs> Sugar water. Sugar water, please. The legend behind the Bermuda Triangle has perplexed people for decades. But few realize there's an area near Wisconsin with an equally chilling reputation. The lesser-known Lake Michigan Triangle spans from Manitowoc, Wisconsin, to Ludington, Michigan, and south to Benton Harbor. Since 1891, it's accounted for numerous mysterious events. We have to look into that and cover that for a future episode. Possibly so. As a matter of fact, because I'd never heard of it. I neither. That's that's yes. four triangles. That we've... See, season two, man. Yeah. Season two. A phantom hitchhiker is set to haunt a section of Highway 12 in Baraboo. According to the past sightings, he appears as if he's from the 1960s, donning faded jeans and a green army jacket. Hey. Hey, you gonna let me in, <laughs> fucker? Of course, it's not an army jacket. It's leather, but, you know, yeah, who cares? Yeah, close enough. It's a 60. Who cares? Unbeknownst to many, the Wisconsin Dells is home of the Museum of Historic Torture Devices. Just as the name implies, the offbeat museum features dozens of exhibits on torture tools and other gruesome devices used throughout history. Cool. Isn't Neat. that lovely? Yeah. All right, let's get into some famous um, Wisconsinites, Wisconsinans, whatever they call themselves. Wis- Cheeseheads. Che- okay, perfect. We're going to go with Cheeseheads. Let's man, do that. Because I love the people of Green Bay. I love cheese. Speaking of Green Bay, Mr. Zack Snyder mm. of DC and other few other movie fame i mean he did like 300 and did a few other things yeah he's done a lot of comic Uh, movies he is an excellent visual artist with his movies i do like his artistic nature and his visualizations are really nice some of his stories were kind of eh, yeah and people gave him crap about it but at least his cut of the the re-release of the justice league did a hell of a lot of damage control from the piece of crap that whedon put out oh gotcha (laughs) yeah also, we have Peter Robocop Weller. Better alive. You're coming with me. Drop it. From Stevens Point. I will say, I do enjoy Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead remake. I like that one quite yeah, a bit. Yeah, that was pretty good. Mm-hmm. I like that one. His only, like, isn't that like his only non comic book movie, I think? Yeah. Yeah, after that, he was all comic books. So all comics. We also have Chris Farley, the fantastic comedian from SNL uh, and movies Gone Too Soon from Madison. Way too soon. Mm hmm. And Mark Ruffalo, a.k.a. The Hulk from <laughs> Kenosha. Hey, I'm the Hulk, eh, from Kenosha, eh? That's you wouldn't right. Wouldn't me when I'm angry, eh? Eh, got my cheese, eh? <laughs> <laughs> All right, but awesome. why, do, why don't we go ahead and get into your weirdest news story of the day? Let's do it. have a shitty story for you today, brother. Oh, I wish I had a womp womp on this thing. Womp womp womp. womp. Yep. Today's story is titled, People in India Warned Smearing Themselves in Cow Poo Will Not Fight COVID. Well, why not? They've what? tried everything else. It won't. Damn it. <laughs> story is by Harrison Jones and comes from my beloved Metro.UK site. You love that site. Dated 11 May of this year. So it's fairly recent. 
Doctors in India have urged people not to smear themselves with cow poo in an effort to ward off coronavirus. I don't think they'd have to tell me. <laughs> Medical officials said there is no specific evidence behind the practice and warned that it risks spreading other diseases. Well, ain't that a bunch of shit. Womp. I mean, I really need to womp. This <laughs> whole story is going to be womp, womp. Go on. Yeah, unfortunately. I'll try to keep the puns yeah, to a minimum. Don't worry about it. Go for it. It comes as the health emergency in the country becomes increasingly desperate with 22.66 million COVID-19 cases and 246,116 deaths reported so far. Though experts say the true figures could be some five to ten times higher. Yipe. Mm. But they have a billion-plus population, too. Second largest in the world, I believe, if not first. I don't know if they've passed China yet. But but then they're really closely tight. Yes, they are. Together, so yeah, they are right more. on top of each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Patients across the country are facing major shortages of hospital beds, oxygen, and medicines, leaving many to die because of the lack of treatment. In the western state of Gujarat, hope I pronounced that right, some people have turned to cow shelters to cover their bodies in cow dung and urine once a week in the hope that it will boost their immune. <laughs> they do it more than once? Holy shit. Bump yes, in hopes that it will boost. <laughs> in the hope that it will boost their immunity or help them recover from the virus, cows are considered sacred in India, with the animal a symbol of life and the earth in the Hindu faith. Hindus have used cow dung to clean their homes and for prayer rituals, believing it has therapeutic and antiseptic properties. I think that's the opposite, actually. I do believe so as well. But what do I know? Maybe it, it's, it works for them. You know? maybe, yeah. Maybe their cow dung is cleaner than ours. <laughs> yep. You always pick the stories with the... With the uh, here we go with this name. Here, I'm going to do my best. The, it's hard for you to pronounce. I'm Every just going to call him GMB. <laughs> Gautam Manila... Manilal Barisa, I have to give it an attempt at least once. You do, yes. An associate manager at a pharmaceuticals company claimed the practice had helped him recover from COVID last year. That's why they're doing it. Okay. Last year? <laughs> Jeez. He said, quote, we see, even doctors come here. Their beliefs is that this therapy improves their immunity and they can go and tend to patients with no fear. Uh, Yeah. Mr. Barisa has since been a regular at the Shri Swaminarian. 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 Garukul. Garukul. You know what? The hell with it. <laughs> you got to stop picking these. I'm going to say the, the SSGVP, a school run by Hindu monks near the Indian headquarters of Zaitis Kadia, which is developing its own vaccine. As people wait for the poo and urine mixture on their bodies to dry, they hug or honor. They hug. They hug the cows, man. Or honor the cows at the shelter and practice yoga to boost energy levels. I will say this, and I think several people do know this: India, India, Indian people Mm -hmm. consider cows sacred because they actually think they are reincarnated uh, versions of their relatives and stuff like that. So this is why they do not eat beef Beef, in India. They will not do it. Mm The mixture is then washed off with milk or buttermilk. Ooh, yummy. Yummy. Doctors and scientists across the globe have repeatedly warned against alternative... Alternative? (laughs) Why do I do that? Alternative? (laughs) (laughs) 
Doctors and scientists across the globe have repeatedly warned against alternative treatments for COVID-19, saying they can often lead to a false sense of security and complicate health problems. Dr. Ja Jayadal, national president at the Indian Medical Association, said, quote, There is no concrete scientific evidence that the cow dung or urine works to boost immunity against COVID-19. It is based entirely on belief. Well, it goes back to their religion. Mm -hmm. There are also health risks involved in smearing or consuming these products. Consuming, wait a minute, Whoa, time out. Don't no. do that. No. Other diseases can spread from the animal to humans. Like mad cow disease. Yeah. There are also fears that the practice could spread the virus because it involves people gathering in groups, though some centers are taking measures to avoid crowding. Meanwhile, COVID patients in India are being diagnosed with a rare and deadly black fungus infection. Oh, sounds horrible. Yipe. And the latest bleak development in the country's health crisis. That sucks. That's terrible. That sounds horrible. Black fungus? Lung? Black oh. fungus infection. Yeesh. Gosh. Those people do go through a lot of hell. They do. I will have to say that. But that is a story. Uh, Man, that is. What I'm going to say it. That's what? shitty. <laughs> Womp, womp, womp. Okay, I, I got a couple more. Ain't that some shit? And that is one big pile of shit. Yes. All right, I'm done. I'm done now. Okay. Cool. All right, great story, man. Awesome. All right, brother. All right, why don't we go and get into the main topic of today, huh? Do it. All right. So as I mentioned, today we are going to cover three weird UFO encounters that happened in Wisconsin. One from 1961 and two from the mid-70s. Nice. Um, as I said, there, there's not really a theme, but I found a sort of an alliteration title that I, I like to, to go with. It's called Biscuits, Blue Beans, and Bozak's Bovine Creature. First up, Biscuits. Now, you also find this listed as pancakes because that's, what I guess, what um, the... The individual who had the account called them, but I've also found it uh, called biscuits elsewhere. So I like little biscuits because it's, it's more literate or whatever. Anyway, <laughs> on Tuesday, April 18th, 1961, Joe Simonton, a 60-year-old plumber from Eagle River, was sitting down to his breakfast when he had his own personal close encounter. He recalled hearing the sound of, quote, knobby tires on wet pavement, end quote, and went up to investigate. Simonton claimed he saw a bright silver saucer hovering over his property. He saw a metallic UFO-like object, which he described as appearing like two reversed bowls with exhaust pipes on its edge. The saucer was 12 feet from top to bottom and about 30 feet in diameter. Rather than land, it continued to hover just above the ground as a door that he said looked like the hood of a car opened and he was met with three aliens who had a height of about 1.5 meters, <clears throat> of about 1.5 meters, wore black or navy blue clothing with turtleneck shirts and helmets. <laughs> Very dapper. I love it. That's great. Oh, shit. According to Simonton, they looked Italian and to be about... <laughs> Yo, what's up, man? And to be about 25 to 30 years old. One of the beans stepped out and handed Simonton a silver two-handled thermos-type jug and indicated he wanted it to be filled with water, which Simonton did. 
he returned the jug to him. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm trying so hard not to laugh That's over you, man. That's funny. I'm just here. Hey, yo, man, can you fill this up for us, eh? <laughs> yeah. Do you mind, man? Yeah, yeah thank you, did. man. I think my thermostat, my, uh, my uh, radiator's low. That's right. He returned the jug to the man and, quote, looked into the saucer. He saw a man cooking, quote, unquote, cooking on some kind of flameless cooking appliance, probably a George Foreman grill. The, <laughs> <laughs> quote, unquote, chef who had red stripes on his pants, gave Simonton four hot pancakes with small holes about one eighth of an inch thick and three to four inches in diameter, or biscuits as I call them. The men returned to their ship and closed the hatch. Simonton watched as the saucer rose into the air and as it moved away, Simonton took note that there were exhaust pipes about six to seven inches in <laughs> diameter protruding from the rear of the saucer. <laughs> A freaking extraterrestrial cookout. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Weirdest. You know what? You know, I, was, I think that's extraterrestrial uh, uh, food trucks, what that was. I think you're right. That's funny. <laughs> oh, shit. Now, Simonton said they were the worst tasting pancakes he had ever eaten. <clears throat> Simonton kept the in Simonton kept the incident to himself for a few days, but on Saturday, he concluded that it was important enough to report to local authorities. This brought on an onslaught of formal investigations, including the United States Air Force and the National Investigating Committee for Aerial Phenomenon, or NICAP. Hey, yo, snitches get stitches. You know what I'm saying? Don't tell nobody what you saw, all right? That's right. We're getting our water, getting out of Take your pancakes and shoot up. Astronomer and Blue Book investigator J. Allen Hynek was dispatched by the U.S. Air Force to investigate following the incident. He took one of the pancakes back and sent it to the Food and Drug Laboratory for analysis. Now, the pancakes were found to be made of starch, buckwheat, soybeans, wheat bran, and hydrogenated fat, all of which were accessible on Earth. Simonton and his story were dismissed. Nevertheless, Simonton had no reason to pursue a hoax and openly regretted telling anyone what he saw as the demands from reporters disrupted the routine of his life. Plus, Savino Burgo. <laughs> Savino Burgo. <laughs> An Italian English... No, just an Italian. Fuck it. Okay. <clears throat> Plus... Savino Burgo, an Eagle River insurance agent, independently corroborated Simonton's account by claiming to have seen a flying saucer go past about a mile from Simonton's home at the same time. The witness was found to be a balanced person of good mental health, and he actually believes that the sequence of events really happened, Simonton's file reads. However, the inconsistencies coupled with the lack of supporting evidence tend to indicate that a witness suffered a hallucination followed with delusion. However, Dr. Hynek also wrote in his report, quote, There is no question that Mr. Simonton felt that his contact had been a real experience. End quote. The official Air Force report for this incident is labeled as unexplained. Of course it is, because you know why. Why? It's the government. And I've got some pictures of the pancakes here, James. What do you think? Uh this is uh this is what's his face holding the pancake. Looks um, like looks like flakes off a space shuttle tile, to be honest with you. Yeah, they're a little bit brown, and, and they're not... I mean, these, they're pancakes, are so they're worse. They look like potato chips, not pancakes. Yeah, not even that. It almost looks like... What is that? Oh, God. Um, they look like waffle fries, almost. I oh, mean, well, yeah. Sort of. Kind of. Kind of. That's kind of... Because you can see through it. Yeah. It's you shitty. Know what? They look... Like, so, they do kind of look like pancakes, but, like, if you make, like, a really thin pancake... And Poorly you, made rice crispy treat, perhaps? Maybe. It's, <laughs> it's, like, burnt on the bottom here, and then it's, like, yeah. light on the top. It's, like, they're, they're not very good cooks, apparently. But, yeah, it looks like like some sort of weird English biscuit. You know, yeah. Nasty. Yeah. 
All right, so let's move on to the next. Well, um, it's made by Italian aliens, you know. Yeah, they're. But you think, but they they, they used to have uh, carbs. They're used to using bread. Their bread's amazing. So but yes. How do they mess yeah, that up? Yeah, because Italians can cook. That's for damn sure. Not these ones. No, no they, they were terrible. <laughs> All right, let's discuss the blue beams part of the story. So George Wheeler of Elmwood, Wisconsin, was an officer with the Elmwood Police Department when he had two, count them, two UFO encounters in the span of a year. His first encounter happened in 1975 while he was following what he thought was a 747 on fire and descending towards the ground. Believing the plane would crash near the outskirts of Elmwood, Wheeler followed it along the county road and eventually pulled into a ditch when he thought it was just about to crash. What happened next left the officer shaken. The drama unfolds. Mm -hmm. As the plane flew directly overhead, Officer Wheeler began to notice several strange things about it. First, it was completely silent. No engine noise, no sound of the flames, no sound of the landing gears coming out, nothing. Next was the fact that the aircraft wasn't actually descending. It was flying quite steadily on a course hovering about 1,500 feet from the ground. The object also did not look like a plane. Wheeler described it as, quote, shaped like two cereal bowls put end to end. Hmm. at least the size of a football field and very bright. The orange light lit up the countryside. It was 11 p.m., but the area was lit up like it was high noon, end quote. Okay, 1,500 feet off the ground. Now, I thought it was a 747. I'm punch him in the face. Well, I'm, well, the thing is, I think when he saw it, it was, it was far away. So all he saw was a bright orange flame-like object in the sky so i get you he didn't notice was just it something going down yeah until he got up, right up on it he noticed it was it wasn't a plane and it was how how high it was off the ground so i guess i just expect too much from these people and i say that so. because then as he stood there watching it the craft took off with incredible speed and began making maneuvers that were outside what current aircraft could do and wheeler knew about aircraft and their capabilities as he had been a combat flyer in world war ii nice so that goes back to your earlier statement yeah from far away he probably thought it was a 747 because of the size of it in the orange flame, but he probably, did, he, I'm sure you couldn't get a good look at it until he got actually right up on it and noticed yeah. it wasn't that. Well, good. Well, I'm glad he did. Yeah. And cleared that up. Wheeler believed that the craft was showing off for him, putting on an air show, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> look what I can do. <laughs> the craft would start zooming along the sky at a tremendous speed, then suddenly change direction instantly at a 90 degree angle and repeated this maneuver multiple times. Finally, it took off west and in less than a second disappeared. Damn. Hit the hyperdrive. <laughs> Gone. Officer Wheeler's second encounter came on the evening of April 22, 1976. This time there was a noise. He had heard it moments before the attack, quote-unquote. It all began with George, out on an evening patrol, noticed an orange glow near the quarry at Tuttle Hill. Quote, Looks like we've got a fire out there, end quote, he radioed in. I'm going to investigate. When he drove to the crest of County Road P, he was high up enough to have an unobstructed view. To the north, over a flat hilltop alfalfa field, there it was. Quote, my God, it's one of those UFOs again, end quote, he shouted into the police radio. But when he started to describe the craft, he was calm, under control. It's huge, he explained over the radio to Chief Helmer's wife, Gail, who was working as a dispatcher that night. Bigger than a two-story house. And he went on to say that it was silver-colored, perhaps 250 feet across, and that a bright orange beam glowed from its domed roof. 
The light was so powerful, he couldn't look straight at it. It hurt his eyes. And just as he was describing this light, the craft started to rise. As it rose, he stated he could see shadowy figures inside. Were they flipping him the bird? <laughs> probably. They're probably. Hey, remember us, asshole? You want to try some pancakes? That was... <laughs> <laughs> We heard what you said about our pancakes, motherfucker. <laughs> that was when he heard the loud whooshing noise. A and whoosh. Whoosh. And before he realized what was happening, a blue ray shot out from the craft. The ray hit the squad car. Insert more of the world's noise here. Yeah. Pew, pew, pew. The police radio went instantly dead. The chief's wife was yelling on the other end, George, can you hear me? Are you all right? But George couldn't hear her. The car was a wreck. Its lights were out. Its points and spark plugs were ruined. And Officer Wheeler was unconscious. David Moots, a dairy farmer, another dairy farmer, lots of dairy farmers in Wisconsin, I'm sure, mm -hmm. was driving the babysitter home when he noticed a squad car, its lights off, sitting in the middle of the road. He went to investigate. He looked inside and saw George Wheeler sprawled across the front seat. He asked, George, are you okay? And the police officer didn't stir. Moot then repeated his question. This time, George tried to move. He leaned forward from his seat and then fell back. He didn't have any strength and he looked white as milk. Damn. What's wrong, George? Moots asked. He was really worried. It took the officer some effort, but he finally managed to speak. I've been hit. Get me to a radio. His voice, Moots noted, was shaken, full of fear. Hit by a car? No. George Wheeler answers slowly and distinctly by one of those UFOs. I'm sure it was a little more, a little less PC. I was like, one of those motherfucking UFOs. I'm sure he's pissed at this time. Yeah, that's right. Phaser, hit by a phaser fire on stun. <laughs> Set the stun. Knocked the shit out of me, yep. At just about the time David Muth discovered the day's police officer, Gail Helmer was at the radio in Village Hall trying to figure out what was going on. She decided to call Paul Fredrickson, a nursing home administrator who lived just east of Tuttle Hill. I, I'm, no disrespect. What the hell's a nursing home administrator got to do with any kind of UFO business? Uh, I guess we're going to find out. I think he was nearby. That's why. Gotcha. Yeah, because he says here, maybe you can look out your window, Paul, and tell me what you see. So I'm sure it was right next to where Gotcha. Yeah. Anything unusual out there, she asked. It was after 11 and Fredrickson had been in bed. I guess it was his home was nearby there. That's what it was. Gotcha. But when a neighbor asks a favor, especially if she's the wife of the police chief, nobody in Elmwood complains too much. He went to the window, and he said, I saw this flaming orange object in the sky. I seen it. I saw it. I seen it. I seen it. That's right. It resembles a bright orange half moon. I watched it for a full 10 seconds and went back to the phone. By the time I returned to the window with my wife, the object was gone. I do like the fact that the descriptions are somewhat, should we say, consistent mm -hmm. yeah. between all the witnesses. So yeah. that's good. Yeah. That, that's, that's it's usually when you get a bunch of different stuff, then you got a bunch of people just making up their own stuff. Yeah. Or, yeah. It, it's, it seems like they actually saw what everybody says they saw. Indeed. A few miles away, south of Tuttle Hill, Mrs. Wiles Wergland was watching the 11 o'clock news on her bedroom television. Suddenly, her set went black. Annoyed, she put on her slippers and trudged into the cantankerous television. That's a weird word. You don't, you don't hear that much very often. Trudged. <laughs> that and cantankerous. Yep. She kept pushing the on and off button and nothing happened. And then she noticed <laughs> that gum TV. And then she noticed a glorious light shining outside her bedroom window. The room was now pitch dark, but outside something was lighting up the sky and it was moving. 
Its glow suddenly illuminated the bedroom. Bathed in this light, she went to the window and watched a spacecraft zoom silently across the night sky. It was shaped like a moon, but was much brighter and colored differently, she remembered. She watched it pass from sight, and when it was gone, the TV came back on. Yay, I'm done. Who cares? All right. UFO, who cares? TV's on. I'm watching Carson. Two other area residents reported TV issues at the time of the sighting as well. More interesting still, Wheeler stated he detected a hose dangling from this UFO and noted that both sightings took place near a 69,000 volt power line in the area. Shitter's full. <laughs> couldn't help it. I'm sorry. I couldn't help it. Hose dangling. Gotta yeah. drain the shitter. He speculated that the craft might possibly be used in the vicinity as a recharging site. Though he is still at a loss for what happened that night, he says, quote, I don't know what I saw, but all I know is I don't want that experience repeated ever again. Now, he says that he is not only a believer in UFOs, but he thinks the occupants of such craft are out to kill us. Well, if they were, they'd have done it. Yeah, you would have been knocked out. You've been dead. They could have been shooting. Th- they could be va- evaporating shit from space. And we couldn't do nothing about it. Easily, yeah. yeah. Maybe that's what spontaneous uh, human combustion is. You see, aliens yeah, well, we, we did discuss we did. that that's in right, the episode that possibly it was aliens mm-hmm. or people that you know made crappy deals with the devil. Or Go check out our Pennsylvania episode for that. Amen. All right, so our final story for the night is the Bozak bovine creature. The 1974 UFO account of William Bozak is as intriguing as it is bizarre. On December 2nd, 1974, at approximately 10.30 p.m., William Bozak had an encounter that would change his world. Bozak, 68, was from Frederick, Wisconsin, and spent the previous 40 years as a dairy farmer. Another dairy farmer. There you go. All dairy farmers. It's funny, and the the story of the day was about cows, man. And synchronicity, dude. Synchronicity. Here we go again. On the night of the encounter, William was on his way back from a meeting of the Fanner Cooperative in Frederick. The roads were foggy that night when, one mile from his house, he spotted an object on the left side of the road in front of him. The object was reflected in his headlights, and as he got closer, he began to slow down. Bozak recalled, quote, I had a curved front of glass, and inside I could see a figure with his arms raised above its head. Guess he's getting carjacked. <laughs> UFO jack. UFO jack. I mean, I don't know. He would estimate the craft was about 10 feet in height and was a disc or dome shaped. The craft seemed to be hovering, suspended in the fog, and made no sound. He stated the figure was humanoid, but it had more of a cow-looking face. Oh, Lord. It had a square face with hair sticking straight out from the sides. The ears stuck out from the head about three inches, and the eyes were large and protruding, and they were shaped like a calf's ear. (laughs) Both arms were extended above its head, and hair stuck out from the outside of its arms. He also stated the creature's face was hairless, and it wore what Bozak described as a tight-fitting garment that had appearance of brown fur. He couldn't make out any other features of the outfit, such as zippers, buttons, or a collar. He attempted to get a better look at the figure, but the fog continued to roll in over the road in thick patches and obscured the lower part of the creature and the craft. Sitting in his car, which was at a complete stop, by the way, Bozak locked eyes with the cowman. (laughs) They locked eyes for about 10 seconds, but to Bozak, it felt much longer. Don't move. It's it's vision is based on or what is it, what is it? Yeah, don't, if you don't move, his vi- his visual acuity is based on movement. That's right. Yeah, there you go. 
Fucking T-Rex. He began to feel a surge of fear rise up inside him, even though the creature had made no sign of anger or threatening action. And the creature seemed to feel the same way, for Bozak felt the creature appeared to be just as scared as I was, and noted his eyes were large and protruding. <clears throat> Finally freaking the hell out, Bozak stepped on the accelerator and sped the rest of the way home. However, as he was rushing away from the craft, he noticed his car engine began to struggle. Then he noticed his surroundings getting darker as if something had appeared overhead blocking any light there was. Uh-oh. Hmm? Tractor beam. Got the guy that... Where you going? <laughs> <laughs> his engine died. Scrambling to get his car started again, he heard a soft whooshing sound. Another whooshing sound. Whoosh. Just like the officer heard as well. Well, see, that always reminds me of Roy Neary close encounters because there was a red, a red, a red whoosh. Yeah. You know, the a way he sound. describes it. Yep. Mm -hmm. Then he almost immediately heard what sounded like branches scratching the roof of the vehicle. Oh, shit. Getting the car started again, he smashed the gas pedal and finally made it home safely. The next morning, Bozak went back to the location of the encounter. However, no evidence of the encounter could be found. Now, Bozak kept the incident to himself for the next couple of weeks, stating, quote, I was so gall darn scared. That's what it says in the thing, gall darned. Mm -hmm. I was afraid to go out at night for a few days, end quote. Finally, during Christmas, he revealed the encounter to his family. He told them that he wished that he had someone else with him that night, not only to corroborate the sighting, but also to keep him from fleeing the encounter. He regretted his actions and not making any attempt to communicate and, quote, show it I was friendly, I wish I could meet up with it again, end quote. You got a cow driving a UFO. And he wants to meet him again. He's a, it's a brave uh, but, dairy farmer. But you're going to sit there and say, hey, I'm, I'm going to make friends with it. The human nature right there, if you even see something like that, would be to haul ass. I mean, most people say, oh, I'd walk up to it and this. No, you wouldn't. Maybe he thought that if it was an international or intergalactic cow, maybe he had some sort of way to <laughs> make dairy without all the work, and he would be rich by having an uh, intergalactic dairy farm. Well, you never know. Eventually, the story would leak from the Bosak household and make it all the way to the APRO, the Aerial Phenomenon Research Organization. When investigators spoke with Bosak, they found that he had a reputation in the community as an honest man, not prone to falsehoods. Bozak stuck to his story despite the ridiculousness of the details. Quote, And I'm sure a lot of people are going to be skeptical after hearing what happened to me. But if people don't believe me, I'll take a lie detector test to prove this isn't something I'm just making up. End quote. Since the night of the event, investigators and researchers have put forth a plethora of theories as to what Bozak saw that night. From an extraterrestrial to an intergalactic fugitive to a Bigfoot creature piloting a UFO. Oh, it takes all types, let me tell you. <laughs> There's even <coughs> this is funny. There's even a theory put forth that what Bozak saw, get this, was a highly evolved time traveling descendant of the cows that once populated Bozak's own farm. <laughs> oh shit. At least according to the Cryptopia website. That's you that's gotta love it. Time traveling cows. Descendant of the cows oh that populated his farm. Yeah. That is awesome. Twenty two years later, to the day, December second, nineteen ninety six, Bozak was found dead in his home at the age of ninety. Well, that's just probably natural cause of that's Absolutely. too bad. But but, but man, I, the reason I put it in there was because it was 
exactly tw- uh, 22 years later to the day. 22 years? 22 years. Yes, it was. That's day. right. He was 68. Oh, and man. It was uh, 76 and then uh, yeah. 96. So yeah. Or no, 74 and 96 is what it was. But yeah. Well. But yeah. So yeah. That's rest, the, in uh, pre- rest in peace there, Mr. Bozak. Yeah. Sorry you didn't get to meet your cow friend afterward. After, yeah. after all, I guess. Um, but yeah. So that is the uh, that's the story of the three rather unique, I would say rather unique encounters they could uh, they couldn't have been they couldn't have been italian cows italian triumph italian time traveling cows maybe the cow was just there to bring him the first ever version of um what's that what's that cheese at the cow (laughs) laughing cow cheese or whatever i think that's what it was was laughing cow cheese (laughs) i guess uh yeah so we had a three absolutely different unique encounters james what did you think about all that insane insane you know what that's people come up with some of the craziest crap but you know what you know half the time you know <laughs> why would somebody make this shit up because first of all they, they, you know you get ridiculed for stuff like this oh yeah uh but man i liked them so of the three the pancakes the blue beam and the i say about the biscuits the blue beam and the bovine creature which one do you think is the most reliable Oh, probably the, uh, well, let's see, the blue beam. The blue beam. The zap. Uh, That seems more likely because that's more of a uh, a way of them saying, hey, I'm going to protect this. But no, Italians, (laughs) Italian aliens making pancakes (laughs) or a fucking time-traveling cow. You know, I'm, I'm. Those are, those are great stories. They're hilarious. But for me, the most believable would be the blue beam. The guy getting zapped. I guess also because it came from a police officer. So he, yeah, he's supposed to in, in the '60s. You'd think he'd have a, uh, a more solid head on his shoulders. But I'm not going to sit here and say that I don't believe the other stories. True, they are far fetched. But you know what? We live in a weird ass universe, man. That we do, man. That we do. All right, bud. Well, uh, why don't you tell the folks at home um, where else they can find us? And where they can write to us, send us um, stories, send us their ideas, send us um, if they if, or if they want to send us their creepy stories to play on the show, uh, where they can send that to us and all that good stuff. All right, man, I'd be glad to. Uh, first of all, of course, uh, we would love to hear your comments, uh, your your ratings, your reviews, uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts: Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, you know, just Spotify. We're everywhere, so you know he's done a real good job with that. Also, uh, if you are YouTubers, of course we do have our YouTube channel. Just search "State," just search "State of Fear" podcast. You have to put it all in there because there are some other "State of Fear" things that are unrelated. Yeah, but ours is the only podcast of that name. Correct. Uh, So if you do that, uh, subscribe, uh, like the episodes if you could, and if there are specific ones you like, leave us a uh, comment or stuff because that helps. Oh, speaking of which, we did get another cool comment on our YouTube channel. Oh, we did. Uh, yeah, let me read that real quick. Um, here we go. So, um, regarding our Utah Haunted Town Layton and Curse of Hobbs Reservoir episode, Chad Harkness wrote, Hobbs Pond is a dark place. I live about five minutes away. There are tons of paranormal areas in the next town just south of Layton. Kaysville has a lot of things like Kays Cross, etc. Uh, I replied back and asked him if he'd ever been to the pond. He said, I've visited Hop's Pond many times. I even helped with the search with the boy found in the pond walking his dog. R.I.P. I've swam in a few times when I was young. Luckily, nothing happened. The place definitely has an eerie feeling. 
That's awesome. Yeah, so one of the cases we talked about, the last case, the most creepy one with the boy and his dog, where he, the dog was found on his chore and the boy was in the thing, he actually yep. helped with that search for So thanks for your uh, comment, Chad. I appreciate that. Thank but you, yeah, sir. Appreciate pretty, that Pretty very cool much. stuff. Man. Yeah, so if you, wanna, if you have a comment, uh, send us a comment on any of the videos. We'll uh, love to see it. Absolutely. Also, we actually have a phone number. If you'd like to share your story with us, we haven't actually mentioned this in the last few episodes. Very poorly on my on my end. That was very uh, forgetful of me. Yeah. If you'd like to call and actually leave us a voicemail message of an encounter or strange happening that you'd like us to actually share on an episode, dial us up at 713-581-4551. We'd love to hear your stories. We'd love to include it. All right, yeah, so just give us a call, leave us your voicemail, and we'll play it on the show next time we uh, we come around. But uh, until then, James, let's uh, – we got one more state. One more state. Yeah, we're going to be heading to Wyoming next. Let me tell you, I've got a doozy of an encounter for that one, another UFO encounter, but this one is of <laughs> someone who was kidnapped by an alien creature. Wyoming UFOs kidnapping. Yes. Devil's Tower Yes. What a way to end the season. I'm loving it. It's going to be a perfect way to end the season. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get in the car and head on to Wyoming so we can get this story going. Yes, sir. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We're going to get on down the road. All right, guys. See you in Wyoming.